Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together this morning. We gather around TV and iPhones and laptops, but God, our hearts are engaged with you. We're not spectators watching worship. We are worshiping, and we're opening our hearts to you to say, God, speak to us. Help us to engage with you. Open our eyes to see not what we see in this world, but to see you clearly so that we could see the world clearly. God, we are overwhelmed by your favor and your love for us, and we ask that you would continue to guide us day by day as we trust in you through every moment of our lives. We pray this now, in Jesus' name, amen. So, I wanted to start off, our series is called Filters, and so filters are fun. If you have Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, um, filters do some amazing things. They take uh, reality and they cover it up so that it could be funny, they make people look more beautiful, uh, some people it could look ridiculous and silly and funny. Uh, there are different kinds of filters and I'm not sure if you're seeing filters right now, but these filters can make things look far better than they are, or they can make things look far worse than they truly are. And that's what the purpose of the filters are. We have fun, we pass around videos, we do dance moves, I'm not going to TikTok, and, but we have these filters that we enjoy. And so I wanted to reflect on that and say, filters... We don't really need cell phones to have filters. Because for many of us, we have filters already without technology. It's the way we carry our perception of real life with filters. And it can be dangerous. So for example, many of us carry filters in the realm of politics. We watch the news, and as soon as we see things, we're, we're already uh, reacting. We have hope or joy or a lot of fear. Some of us have filters with people. We see certain people and immediately we have these thoughts and feelings and emotions about them. Uh, some of our filters are through the news and the reality and just this COVID-19 pandemic. We're building up these filters and they're informed by experiences or knowledge of the past or just personal take on things. And so these filters, what we recognize is we all have a certain form of filters, and it brings judgment, dissatisfaction into our lives. And so for one example, personally, there's a strange phenomenon that is happening with Asians. Uh, if you asked people four months ago, what do you think of when you see an Asian, they'll say the stereotypical, uh, good in math, studious, maybe they're quiet. But now, there's something that's triggered from this COVID-19 so that when people see Asians, they say things like, you brought this virus, you're diseased, or you're carrying this virus. And so this is the danger of filters and stereotype. This is what happens when people see through filters that are not realistic. And so there's some data, of course, it came from China, but does that mean every Asian has this virus? And this is where we get imbalance that filters harm us and harm the community. Whenever we have these dangerous filters, we lose a few things. The first thing we lose is unity. We divide into factions. The next thing we lose is community. 
What that means is simply, I only want to be with people I like. I don't want to be with everyone else. Everyone else could just fall off the edge of the world. I want to just have people I like. We lose community. And the third thing we lose is we lose humanity. We look like animals. Have you ever read comments in the news section of people commenting on the news? It's fascinating, the hostility, the anger. And so, worst of all, I would say we lose this idea of love, peace, this idea of, of joy and happiness. We lose all of that because our filters distort how we view this world. Um, there's an idiom uh, that we, we usually hear, and uh, you've heard of rose-colored glasses. She wears rose-colored glasses. And that idiom simply means this, that everything that they look at, they, they're always saying, oh, it's beautiful, it's good, it's good. Everything is rose-colored. And so we have the filters that go opposite way. Everything is great. That's also not realistic. And so I want to try something here. And, you know, I want to put up this picture. This is the pres- picture of our president, president of the United States. And right now, some of you are going, oh, or some of you are going, yes. There's a lot of glee in some who see our president. And for others, they're they're groaning like, oh, what is he? Why is that picture up there? And so the point of this is that many of us, we watch with these lenses. So when he's on the news, everything he says is gold. And for others, before he opens his mouth, we discount him and we judge him and condemn him. And the point of this, what I'm trying to say is, it's not to argue whether we're justified in these actions. The point that I'm making at this moment is that's the filter, whether we're well-intended or not, that distorts reality. We've already prejudged, and we can't see reality as it is. So isn't it true, if you saw me only in my bad moments and low moments, your perception of me will always be that Jason's a terrible guy? Or if you saw me in only my good moments, but wow, what an incredible guy he is. But here's the truth. There's only one person who knows the core character of my heart, who sees things without filters, and that's God. And so the objective that we want to do is, how do we see without filters like God? Because that's a great place to be. And so these bad filters... Uh, are harming us. So Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, that we read today, says this. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. This is the key verse for today's message in the section that we read. And this text is in 1 Corinthians 13, about love. A lot of people use it for marriage, and it has absolutely nothing to do with marriage. But there are principles, because this was in response to the church in Corinth that were so filled with hatred, division, hostility towards one another that Paul wrote this incredible chapter on love. Nevertheless, this church, we have to give them some slack, because they're only 20 years old. This church has only been in existence 20 years. In other words, Jesus resurrected, and then 20 years later, Corinthian church appeared. So they're very young. So we have to give them some slack. But at the same time, they've created such hostility and division that Paul is saying this. 
Get ready for it. Ready? You could have the most beautiful praise, worship, music, and without love, it's worthless. You could have the best theology, doctrine, knowledge, understanding of God's word, but if you don't have love, Paul says, meaningless. This part got me. You could die for Jesus Christ as a martyr. Give up your life and burn it, let it burn. And Paul says, but if you don't have love, even that too is meaningless. So how important is love? Great. And so Paul's object lesson that he uses here is a mirror. And I want to show you a mirror from the first century. And this is a mirror. Uh, they did, this is just before they invented glass mirrors. So it's a polished tin. And so you could see a reflection, and that, that's exactly Paul's point. You see the reflection, but it's not a clear picture of who you really look like. In fact, even the best mirrors today are not who we really are. We can't ever see as clearly as seeing face-to-face, which is my Paul's point. And what Paul is saying here is this. While we live in this world, how we view God, how we view people, how we view this world as imperfect as it is, that view will always be inadequate, imperfect. And it's like staring into a dim mirror. But there's more. Paul says not only that, but we also see only in part. How many of you would pay $15 to go watch a movie and to have a lady with big hair sit right in front of you. Some of you would be like, oh, I need to move. When we see only in part, it bothers us. What Paul is saying is, your perception of this world, not only is it filtered, but it's partial. There's only one who sees clearly everything, and that's God. And so, some small good news before we jump into it even more. God's given us a sense of clarity so that we could have more clarity. And guess what that is? That's the Word of God, the Bible. The Bible gives us an ability to have a better sense of clarity. So we need to turn to the Word of God. We need to read it, meditate on it, study it. But the other part is Jesus was sent to earth to represent clarity and truth. He is truth. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so God's giving us everything we need in this fallen state of our imperfect sight to give us as much clarity until that day we see Jesus face to face. But the bad news is we're humans and our sin nature rules. And so the Corinthian church for 20 years had a mess on their hands. And I want to just share with you what filters were going on in their their world. So here's, here's what's going on. In the Corinthian church, we have to give them some understanding of why they had these filters. It was a major city, so a lot of immigrants came. On top of that, there were Jews, there were half-Jews, there were converted Jews. And so the Corinthian church, when they came to Christ, was diverse and mixed up with so many different views that when you get different races together in one group, it's beautiful in God's eyes. On the lower story, we have a lot of misunderstanding, judging, labeling, stereotyping, and within a church, this racism tension can exist. 
And so racism filter is this stereotyping, dismissing, labeling. And Corinthian church was struggling with that. The second filter they were struggling with was socioeconomic. The rich were rich, and the poor were very poor. Just like almost today, there's not much of a middle class. And that's because the wealthy controlled majority of the resources, and the poor just squandered and just were able to beg for food and, and live off just bare minimal. And so this socioeconomic challenge in the church, guess what it led to? Lawsuits. They were suing each other. So within 20 years, this church had members suing one another had to do with material wealth. And so Paul notices that. But here's a part that's relevant to us today. The problem that was going on in the Corinthian church was they were divided. How were they divided? Well, 1 Corinthians 1, 12, 13 says, Paul says, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul. I follow Paulus. Or I follow Cephas. Or I follow Christ. And Paul says, is Christ divided? <laughs> is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? I love that. Paul puts him in, did I, Was it me that died for you? I'm sorry, I forget. I thought it was Jesus. And, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And his point being is, who are you following? Why would you create this partisanship? And so we have this tension and factions in the early church because they're saying, Psh, Apollos, best teaching. Paul, no, he's the best. No, guys, Peter, he was with Jesus. And so today, it's so sad because what that sounds like when a body attacks itself instead of living together, it's a disease called lupus, autoimmune diseases, where the body attacks healthy parts of the body because it doesn't realize. And so it's harming its own body. And I'm a pastor. We have different denominations. And one thing I recognize more and more is I'm always in this like uh, middle bridge world. Uh, to the conservative Christians, I'm not conservative enough because they say your denomination is too liberal. To the liberal people, they're like, oh, you're too conservative because, you know, you don't buy it. And so we've done a great job of filtering denominations, churches, seminaries, by saying, you're from that seminary? Oh, I... Yeah, we, we don't have to hang out. Oh, you're from that seminary. So one person almost actually said to me, you went to Princeton Theological Seminary? Are you even Christian? And so what's going on? And Paul's saying, wait a minute, hold on a second here. It's not about a doctrine. But if Jesus is our Christ, none of the doctrine and knowledge matters if you don't have love. And to dismiss people because we filter them out by their race, their, their ethnicity, or their culture, it's a sin. And so we filter people out, and I wonder if we could just take a moment and say this. What if you don't even believe in the Bible? What if you're a non-Christian? What if you, you're, you're a heretic? What would Jesus say? Make sure you don't stop loving them it's not about being right it's about being loving and let god take care of that and so uh, one of the commentaries i appreciated this um, said while it is important to have as much of our theology right as we can 
it is more important to cons- consistently show the love that this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, describes. And so we got to balance this, and so we have to recognize this filter. And so what's going on in Corinthian churches, this partisan line is leading to spiritual pride as a result of that. So this is what they're saying. You don't even speak in tongue? Hey, we, we, we speak in prophecy. And so they were having rivalry about, about ministry gifts. So it sounds like this. You guys don't even have a mission program? You guys don't have an early morning prayer? And so there was a spiritual pride riding up, and they were poking fun at each other. And so you don't even preach biblically, and you don't, or you, you don't even preach prophetically, and you don't do laying on hands. And so church members were starting to go at one another. And I'm not talking about the merit of each. What I'm saying is there was this pride that they stood behind of we're the best. And so uh, I remember in college days, some people would say, you know, I'm a Calvinist. You don't believe in tulip? You know, so it's, it's interesting, the condescension and this inability to have a human conversation because there is this superiority complex. And so this is what Jesus says in Revelation 2 to the church of Ephesus. I know your deeds. You held up against the heretics. Great. You persevered. And what does Jesus say to them? Yet I hold this against you. You have forgotten your first love. And so Paul saying to the Corinthian church, you are struggling with sin. Sexual immorality is rampant and you're allowing it. Incest, divorce. And you guys are judging each other, suing each other. And what Paul is saying here is, I just wish you would repent and put your eyes back on Jesus Christ. And so Paul ends this whole section, 1 Corinthians 13, by saying a few things. And this is what he says. At the end of our life, prophecies will end. At the end of our lives, denominationalism will end when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes at the end of our life, speaking in tongue will end. Everything will end except for one thing, and guess what that is? Love never fails. And so if there's anything in this pandemic that you and I are learning, it's this. We need human touch. We need relationships. We need to recognize what is an essential because we used to think essential was having, I don't know, getting a nice car. But we realized you could have all of that. Essential is, I need somebody to love me. I need somebody that I could lean on. I need somebody that I could pray to and they will hear. And we are rightfully questioning what is an essential. And Paul ends 1 Corinthians 13 with this. Love is not a verb. It's not what you do. Love is a noun. And the word he uses is agape. And it's a noun. It means charity. It means, it means graciousness. It's, and so this charity, unconditional care, it's how one lives. And so he wraps up this incredible writing to a divided church full of filters and says we need to experience love again. We need to receive love to have love. And so I want to share with you right before that. 
Change the word love with Jesus. And let's read it together. Where you are, read with me, please. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on, it, on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never ends. And it's like Paul is saying, here's the antidote for a filtered world. is to reconnect with love, but how? Not by doing more love, but it starts here. Recognizing love stepped out of heaven, was born in a manger, lived his life, was crucified. He died, buried, and the third day, proving that he is who he says he is, he rose again. We can't experience unfiltered love until we receive and immerse ourselves into Christ's love for us. This first step is to recognize, Lord, we have filters. Unveil my eyes so I can see you. Show me again your mercy and your grace and your love. And when we see this, I want to ask you, if we could see Christ love the way it is, what would you see if you saw people filtered through Christ's love? If that's what Jesus did for me, how would I act to people who I completely disagree with? What would you see if you saw tragedies filtered through Christ's love? The pandemic's scary. The world is shutting down. But I will not fear because God, your love through Christ captures me. What would you see if you saw the government filtered through Christ's love? That this is not a government that I, I could complain all my life about, but I could pray for. I could lift up. Because if Jesus was able to have that patience for me, boy, God, I, I could do this. I could endure with your strength. And so, friends, John Stott said this, the most human thing to retain our humanity, the most human thing we could ever do, and this is his quote, as fish are made for water, humans are made for love. And that love of Jesus Christ will unfilter, open our eyes with clarity to see people, even tragedies in the world with a picture that God is in control and he wants to give to us. I love how 1 Corinthians ends. As we are fully known, we give all this. And so I want to share with you a family in Nicaragua, a mission team that we support. And I love their attitude in the midst of this pandemic as they're uh, going through every hardship. And I just want you to share their, see their joy of the love they have receive from Christ to do this work. Hello, this is Peter. This is Jean. This is <laughs> We are Lee family from Nicaragua. It's been yes. four since homebound. 
Um, this time will soon pass, and I pray that God will be your strength, joy, and peace in such a time. I'm so glad to be part, be able to connect to CPCLM, Family Through Online Church. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Um, we are also praying for all of you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you. God bless you. So this joy that we have, this love, the ability to see clearly in the midst of everything going wrong is because Jesus Christ rules our hearts and his love overwhelms us. May that be what happens in your life. And that's my prayer for us. Would you join me in prayer? God, captivate us, capture us. We recognize that we have filters, all of us. And Lord, we want to have the best clarity to see not who's more right or, or what side you're on, but Lord Jesus, we are on your side. And Lord Jesus, you called us out of darkness to be part of your family. Would you unveil our eyes, especially in these critical times, that rather than hostility or rather than beating people down, that we're able to see with love your love and to move in a way, to live in a way that makes sense in the kingdom of God. Jesus, oh, we are so amazed by your love for us. We can never pay it back. We can never um, earn it, and that's the beauty of it. We could only receive it. And so, Lord, let your love flow through the scared hearts and the confused minds for angry people and for division and for people who are filled with just tendencies for racism and evil and hatred and say, would you capture them? And would you continue to wash us in the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection? We pray these things in Jesus' name.